This is a sort of Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to a sort of Star Wars podcast, the podcast that is sort of about Star Wars and sort of about everything else. And today we have a very special guest. She is a talented seamstress, a mother of four, almost, a Princess Diaries connoisseur, half of the Hello from Elsewhere podcast, and has probably read more books this week than I have in my whole life. Welcome to the show, Valerie Winters. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, good. I'm glad I'm glad you are here. So we are going- I well oh. I got distracted because you were saying <laughs> how many books have I read in the past week and so I was sitting there trying to count. <laughs> I originally had had it, my notes had said, uh, I've probably read more books this year than I have in my whole life, but I was like, I think it's safe to say this week. I think I could go with this week. <laughs> I think you've read more than uh, three or four books. I think that's my... Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, in your whole life, so... <laughs> Most of those, like, the ones that are in school, they were, I mean, they didn't really count. I just, like, every other page, more or less. So it's, Yes, it's, it's, skim it. Yeah. It's like yeah. the same four books, just over and over, so... <laughs> Um, we, you're here to talk about Rogue One and more specifically Jyn Erso. And I know that Rogue One was like a, um, changing point for you in your love for Star Wars. Um, you talked about, I don't know if it was on our podcast or if I just heard on your guys' podcast, um, that you were like, eh about star wars till you saw rogue one um so what what was it about rogue one that like changed it for you yeah that's correct rogue one is still my favorite star wars to date uh, but it definitely started because i didn't grow up watching star wars um, my husband casey is very much a star wars fan he grew up watching them and and loved them all and saw all the sequels in theaters and i just didn't experience any of them until we were dating and he was like, you haven't seen Star Wars? We should watch those. <laughs> you know, just a subtle hint that they right. were important to him. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, we watched the original trilogy and then we watched the prequels. And I definitely liked the original trilogy more than the prequels. But I mean, I was, to me, it was like, they were fine. Right. And so then we went from what we were dating in 2010 and then it was Rogue One didn't come out till 2016. So by that point, I had seen the original trilogy several times and i think i had still only seen the sequels like once <laughs> because casey never really turned them on so okay. i didn't i didn't pull them out on my own right right and then of course we went and saw the force awakens which i liked but i felt like it was very much a new hope reboot right yep um was my view on it i've come to like it more but at the time and so once we went and saw rogue one I just remember leaving the theaters and turning to Casey and saying, okay, I'm a Star Wars fan now. <laughs> like yeah. before that, I would have said, yeah, I know what they are and I, you know, have some knowledge of them, but our three year old son would have known more about Star Wars at that point than I did. Yeah. And, and well, he probably still does. Yeah. I mean, he's well, eight now, but <laughs> yeah, he knows more than a lot of people. He probably knows more than I do about Star Wars. <laughs> so. Don't, I don't know where he picks it all up. <laughs> just intuitive he just yes. like can sense a star wars fact <laughs> and then knows it 
Um, but yeah, so I think what really drew me into the story is that unlike any of the others uh, movies had been able to do, so um, I felt like it, the story helped because it had so many connections to the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was the perfect bridge to pull me into the Star Wars world. Right. Um, since I didn't grow up watching the original trilogy, I didn't have that same uh, affinity for it that a lot of people have. They just love it despite its quirkiness <laughs> and flaws because right. i mean you're nostalgic for it and right. they are good movies but seeing this one was a nice connection to a new hope and the way that it led in made me uh, then enjoy a new hope more because mm-hmm. i felt like i have now had this connection to a new hope that i didn't have before yeah um i would also argue that rogue one has some of the best action and battle scenes in star wars like yes You've got like Chirrut and then like the Vader scene. Oh, yeah. And just the whole battle on Jeddah and the whole Scarif battle. And when they bring yeah. down the gate, like all that of it whole is thing, just fantastic. Yeah. That at the end, it's just like when I just rewatched it for the podcast, I'm like, there is so much going on here in that Scarif scene with everything in space and then with uh, Jin Cassian and then like on the beaches. And like, there's just like so much going on. That is just like, yeah, so much, so much action. Right. It's layers on layers. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But then there's just the points where you like cheer, like so cool to have like the hammerhead Corvette oh, yeah. like, push oh, yes. the, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> to push the uh, Star Destroyers like into the gate and you're yeah. like, yeah, so cool. <laughs> uh, so I think because the action just gets better as technology gets right. better. So yeah. The action in this movie is obviously going to be better than the originals. Yeah. Or even the prequels because technology has gotten better. But I still think it has some of the best scenes. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, um, I always say, I think you would, I think you've said this before too, that like if you're going to start watching Star Wars, Rogue One is where you should start. Because I would argue that, yeah. Yeah. If you start with the original trilogy, then it's so easy in this day and age to get like distracted by the crappy cgi and all that stuff and but if you start with rogue one i mean i also say it's like a good movie even if you're not a star wars fan just like it's a good quality movie now of course star wars fans get way more out of it than other people but i think it's just it's got tons of action it's got compelling characters it's just all around a great movie and so that makes it even better because it's a star wars movie Right. I think you could sell it as a spy heist movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just have anybody watch it. Right. Because your main characters don't relate to anyone. Right. Exactly. It's not until you get to the very end of the film that you're like, oh, well, there's Darth Vader. <laughs> right. Fin- yeah. And you finally see, well, I guess you see Tarkin in the middle. You've got Tarkin. And then you eventually see Vader. And then you get like the little shot of Leia. Right. But, yeah. I mean, those don't. Yeah, like you were saying, like you wouldn't have to be a Star Wars fan to love this movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so this, I think I kind of skipped over it, but we, I am trying to do a um, once a month do a Rogue One episode um, focused on some part of Rogue One because it's the fifth year uh, since Rogue One came out to kind of celebrate five years. And when I was thinking of like, okay, what are talking points? Jin or so had to be one of the top talking points because she's the main character. Uh, in my mind anyway she's the main character and 
I know you've expressed your love for Jen or so before, so I'm like, I'm going to ask Valor if she can come on to talk about one of her favorite characters. So what is it about Jen that you love so much? One of the things that draws me to her is that Jen is a regular person. Mm. So unlike other Star Wars leading ladies, there's nothing inherently like extra or special about her. Uh, she's not a princess like Leia. She's not a queen slash senator like Padme. Uh, she can't wield the force like Rey. She's just very much an ordinary humanoid person. Right. And uh, But yet her ordinary ordinariness makes her relatable. And she's still very cool. Like She has her own set of talents and skills. Um, she's not afraid of a fight. And she can certainly hold her own. She's quick-witted. And I think she gives some of like the best lines and you know speeches of the movie. Yes. Uh, and she doesn't seek power, but she's also very much a natural leader, which is cool. Yeah, it's so it's interesting to see how she like comes into that role pretty quickly. Um, once she kind of, uh, I guess she kind of accepts it and runs with it. I would say like she's kind of reluctant at first, but once she decides, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's just like, it's so obvious that she should be the leader. Yes, exactly. When she makes up her mind, mm -hmm. she's all in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when she's all in, she can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I was thinking oh, this time around, as I was watching it, I was thinking about how Chirrut tells Jin that the strongest stars have a heart of Kyber. Mm -hmm. and, and the connection between that and how Jin's father calls her Stardust which to me just means that she's like made of the same strength as a star on the outside and mm. she has a unique and caring heart like a kyber like crystal a kyber like crystal. underneath her yeah. exterior i was kind of you know maybe i'm going more deep than they intended but like to me it makes sense that he's talking about how strong stars yeah. have a heart of kyber and her dad calls her stardust yeah I even when like he delivers that line, it's kind of like out of context because like, I mean, she doesn't, she knows about Kyber crystals, but he just kind of like throws that line out there. The strongest stars right. have hearts of Kyber. And it's kind of like out of place, but then like you try and relate it to Jin somehow. And I'm like, well, she has the necklace on. And so it's close to her heart. I didn't even think of like the stardust connection, but that makes a lot more sense than just like the location of the Kyber on her. Um, right. But yeah, I was like, I know it has something to do with Jin, and I don't know who wrote that line, if they even thought about it, or if they're like, just have Chirrut say something, Guardian of the Willsy. And then <laughs> <laughs> right, we, we just, we'll just throw out where kyber crystals are right. found. And then we'll let the Star Wars yeah. fans decide what it means. <laughs> <laughs> They'll decide for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so Jin, uh, Jin has spent, let's see, I don't know how old she was when she hangs out with, you know, when Saw picks her up. Off of Lamu, is that the planet? I think. Where? And Lamu. Oh, where their where the yeah, farm where is. their their uh, farm is, Iceland, where their farm is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think how old she was. Um, I she's I 21 right. when everything else takes place, and I know she says that she was like 15 or 16 when Saw dumps her. Right. But I don't know how old she was as a kid. When for some reason she I have first six. gets together with Saw. For some reason, I have six here, um, and I don't know why. 
I don't know if I just assumed she looks like a six year old. I, I would have guessed somewhere, but. six, six, seven, eight would yeah. have probably been my guess. Yeah. But so she spends, you know, close to a decade of her life with Saw. And she even mentions that, um, like in her words, she says that she was raised by Saw. Mm-hmm. That's what she tells the rebels. Yeah. Uh, but she hasn't seen him in a long time. And we see how like militant and heartless Saw can be. Especially if you've watched like Clone Wars mm-hmm. and um, in Rebels too, um, but she, I think it shows the strength of her character that she hasn't become as militant and heartless as he is. Yeah, like despite being raised by him, she's still willing to like save the little girl on Jeddah, right? Or to go out of her way to like help other people, uh, things that he would have just seen as more like inconveniences, right? Uh, to his to his greater plan. Um, one thing I was going to ask you, have you read, so, um, have you read anything outside of Rogue One about Jin? I think, did you read Catalyst? I read Catalyst. Was yeah. she, a, was she a main character in that one? She's got a small role. It's okay. mostly Galen and Lyra and Krennic. Okay. And so it's like, you know, they have a daughter and she's just little at the time. Okay. It's like a baby to like maybe two by the okay. time the book ends. Okay. Um, I think there's another one, Rebel Rising, I think is another book more about Jin and like what happens in between. I figured there had to be a book. I was thinking yeah. about that. I was like, there's got to be a book between when she leaves Saw and when she gets picked yeah. up with, yeah. the, <laughs> with um, the Rebellion. Yeah, I haven't read it. And Wikipedia, if you need information on Jin, just go to Wikipedia. I mean, the page is eternally long and has everything you need to know about <laughs> Jin or so. Uh, I guess there's like a love story in there with some guy or some person she meets and everything. Um, and um, so I don't know any of that that's going on. <clears throat> but we know very little about her when the story starts. Um, we see her as a child, like you said, when she's like six years old. Um, and that part, for some reason, was really difficult for me to understand this time around. I think because I'm so this watching it this time i was so focused on Jin, and i'm like uh, what's going on with Jin in this story and normally i'm like looking at all the characters um but thinking about how her dad is taken away from them and her mother um is i think is supposed to run away with her that seems to be the plan Yeah. yeah but then she just gives her necklace and says trust in the force then she runs away from her daughter with a plan to shoot krennic with like 12 dark or uh dark troopers no what are they called i don't know whatever krennic's like main squad is um right um like what is she gonna do with one blaster it's not gonna make a difference i'm like she's basically committing suicide leaving her daughter there and um it was really difficult for me to understand where lyra was coming from and everything like that and there's i just don't know that i could leave my six-year-old um, and trust that some radical man <laughs> man is going to come pick her up out of a well. So right, come find her. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Trust the force. Yeah, this is what I tell my kids all the time. Just trust the force. It's fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be okay. <laughs> You'll be okay. No, that's always kind of bugged me too. Uh, it's interesting to get more of her Lyra's character in Catalyst because she's uh, far more impulsive than. Galen is like a planner and she has always been 
adventurous mm -hmm. and like traveled to tons of different planets and been like guides and in you know heavily forested places to like old temple ruins and stuff like she's um she's very much a person who feels and takes action okay um so i from the book's perspective like it doesn't seem unlike her right. to do something like that uh i love krennic's line when he says, you know, Lyra, <laughs> troublesome as always. Yes, yes. Because the whole book, she is like a thorn in his side. Well, because Galen is pretty, he's so scientific minded that for a long time he is just totally cool. He's like, hey, I get to study kyber crystals mm -hmm. and like see what they do and what kind of power can we generate from them. Like, that's awesome. And he's so focused on the the scientific aspect of it and the discovery nature of it that he doesn't really question or think about what Krennic is going to be using this uh, information for. And Krennic doesn't really bother pointing that out, obviously. But Lyra is catching on. And she's like, this isn't going to turn out the way you think it is. So yeah. she's kind of ends up being um, his conscience in a lot of ways. Uh, Galen's conscience, like helping him see through Krennic. Okay. And so, of course, Krennic is like troublesome <laughs> as always. Like, you are always a pain. <laughs> I think that um, you kind of get that too in the flat in the like brief flashbacks you get. Um, she's like dreaming and she's having a flashback of like Krennic and uh, Galen like sharing drinks together, and then you see like, they're like talking in private, kind of, and like Lyra is like like looking at them from like a kind of a distance, like not happy with what's going on. Um, and it's interesting how you described Galen. Um, I know that I'd read somewhere that he was like kind of um they kind of modeled him after oppenheimer is that the guy's name who created the atomic bomb oh, yeah the yeah yeah and like he wants like to be a good comparison yeah like once he figured out what they were using it for he'll I, I forget what he did but he basically um regretted ever working on it at all so it was like very similar to galen mm -hmm. or so um, which is interesting how you describe him. Like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a scientist. More interested in uh, what something can do, not how it can be used. Right. He was in it for the discovery nature. Right. Like, it right. was right. fascinating to him. Um, yeah, so then we find out later that Lyra, or I mean that uh, Jin, um, Saul leaves her by herself with a blaster and a knife or something. I forget. Um and then we catch up with her again when she's uh, 21 in a um, prison camp. Um, I did find out on Wikipedia that she was serving a 20-year sentence. I forget what for. <laughs> but um, Well, they do read off a big old rap well, sheet yeah. for her. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, so, so all of her crimes finally caught up with her apparently and that accumulated to 20 years yeah it seems like a lot in five years unless they're counting crimes that she committed as a rebel mm, with saw yeah i guess they called them partisans um like saul saul's group saw's group i don't remember how well i was gonna say how much of saw do you see in rebels because in he's clone only wars, in he's... like two episodes okay okay clone wars he's not like he is in rogue one he's not that like paranoid um kind of radical i mean he's a radical but he's not like he is in rogue one in clone wars but. yeah the two i think it's only two maybe there's three 
Okay. There's like two or three episodes that you could have saw in Rebels, but they definitely do a good job of bridging that gap okay. because he's getting far more uh, like untrusting and just willing mm-hmm. to like go to extremes for things. And yeah. the rest of the ghost crew is trying to like reel him in. Like, no, that's not how we do things. <laughs> but you can tell that they're having, yeah, they have a lot of conflict between how things should be done, even though they have the same end goal. Right, right. Um, and, um, talking about the end goal, one thing I thought of watching it through this time was saw when he's talking to Jen, he's talking to her about, um, like he says, you care not for the cause. Um, and she goes on about how, you know, the rebellion has only brought her grief basically. Um, but I thought the difference between those two was that Saul remembers what it was like before the empire. And Jin doesn't have a clue. So he's like fighting for something that he once had where she doesn't really care about it because she doesn't know anything different than what life is currently like. Uh, That's one thing I hadn't thought about before watching it this time. Yeah, that's a great point. To her, this is all she's ever known. Right, right. The galaxy under imperial control is normal. Right. Uh, and I like the line that she uses to him where she says it's not a problem if you don't look up. Right. Yes. I do like, like that the one. idea that you can just bury your head, go about your own business. You'll be fine. Like I, <laughs> I use that line out of context all the time. Um, like for like the wrong reason. It's not like having anything to do with look, look up. They're like, someone's like, why yes. don't you have snow tires on your car? Well, it's not a problem if you don't look up. Like it's like <laughs> it's totally random. Uh, but I like, and but it no, fits. Yeah, you don't no, worry about it; it'll be fine. Right, exactly. That was the main point of it. Um, an- another interesting thing I found on on Wikipedia is so when you first see Jin as an adult, she's sleeping, water drips on her. She wakes up in her cell, and she looks like at her cellmate across from her. Right, and the cellmate is sleeping. She's got like a tentacle face. I don't know what kind of creature or being she is that person is um i found out reading through wikipedia that her and her cellmate did not get along and apparently um she had told her that her cellmate had told Jin that the next time they go out on a crew a work crew together that she was going to kill Jin because she hated her that much this all happened in rebel rising i think is when they talk about it um and so it was interesting to th- know that and then watch the movie and think, oh, when she they show her on her work crew, that person is sitting in the same truck as them. So she's probably looking at her like, oh, this is she's scared that she's going to get killed on this work crew. So she was saved in more ways than one by uh, the rebels. That's interesting. Yeah. Some good background. I mean, it might, she could have just been talking smack. Who knows if she was actually going to kill her or not, but apparently they did not get along at all. So, you know, I don't really know what goes on in prison. So, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I think if you talk about killing somebody, you're probably at least fairly serious. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If um, given the opportunity, now you might not go too far out of your way, but if the opportunity presents itself, you'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose so, your prison sentence would come into play too. Like if you're already there for life, what's the difference? Right. If you only have five years left, eh, you might right. question it a little bit more. <laughs> but she had like an, yeah, she had another 
well, I don't know when she was caught, but she had 20 years to serve. So she, yeah. So we get, we get, um, Jin at the beginning of the story is a lot different than Jin at the end of the story. Um, so what, what do you think is the main ways that she's changed from the beginning or how did you see her change from the beginning of the story to the end of the story? Well, since we mentioned the line, you know, it's not a problem if you don't look up. I think her apathetic nature toward the cause and toward the empire being in control um, uh, definitely illustrates her beginning. Um, And I think the things that kind of help her change um, and, you know, become like 100% into the rebellion's cause... uh, are one, she gets her father's message. Mm-hmm. And I think after being abandoned, you know, or at least it feels like she's been abandoned by him because she doesn't know whether he's dead or alive. And, and you know, if he's alive, why hasn't he found her? And there would right. be all these questions. She has and, that line too. Like they ask her, where's your, what do you know about your dad? And she's like, I like to think that, she, that he's dead. Yeah, so, it makes things easier. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, then you'd have fewer questions. Right. But so when she sees the video um, and gets the message, like she knows that he didn't abandon her on purpose and that he still loves her more than anything. And I think also seeing that her father has sacrificed everything to um, put this flaw into the Death Star uh, makes her want to... Uh, join him in that cause like Mm -hmm. okay if this was worth enough to my father to not come in you know find me then it's got to be real important yeah Um, and so i think that kind of highlights to her like her next line like her next course in life the next right step is that the (laughs) (laughs) the next right thing i think is how they say frozen too yeah Yeah. that's the one (laughs) and uh and I think Saw also points it out because in her conversation with him, like she, I'm sure being raised by Saw, she had the idea that, um, you know, there are more important things in the galaxy than one's own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think she probably, once you're abandoned by somebody, you probably like give up on their ideals in life. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think she's talking to him again and he's like, trying to illustrate you know that there's bigger things than just her and her own um, importance uh, that she you know is finally starting to believe that as well plus you've got the other ones on the crew like you've got um you know Chirrut who's like showing her like the guidance of the force and she also sees Bodhi who's willing to risk everything like and change the course of his life to what mm-hmm. he thinks is right, and so I think all of this uh, shows her that like that she's more than she is now, or she's she can be more in the mm-hmm. future. Um, and so she's choosing to do everything she can to make sure her father's sacrifice isn't wasted. Yeah, and you talked about like her apathy at the beginning, and it's interesting to think about how you can be apathetic when like. Usually you get people choosing sides, either rebellion or or empire. And her dad works for the empire. She knows that. So that's why she doesn't like the empire, I feel like. And so she's brought up by Saul, <clears throat> who's a rebel. And so you would think, well, she's going to be 
you know, rebellious against the Empire because she grew up with Saul. Um, and but then she, but then he leaves her, and so she, it's like she doesn't know. Like both sides have let her down big time. The one stole her dad from her, and the other one left her to I'm fend for herself her at sixteen. As a teenager. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense how she could end up in prison. Like if you have no one, you know, in your life, you have no family, you have no friends, you can't have no one you can trust. Definitely abandonment issues there. Um, and I think attachment issues as well. Like she doesn't, um, she doesn't want to trust anyone or open herself up because she just, um, yeah, too much tragedy in her life. Um, which we might talk about a little bit here, but, um, yeah, I had that same thought. That was like my second point. Like first she's got to come around to the cause. Right. And the other part that really changes in her is her ability to trust. Yeah. Um, like she and Cassian clearly don't see eye to eye at the beginning. Um, but as he comes to prove that like he's more reliable, um, she comes to trust him more. And so they've got their, their little team and then he comes as she comes to trust the others on the rogue one squad as well when she signs up like when she's um brought in by the rebels and they're like hey we want you to like you know find your dad or find Saul so we can find your dad and whatever um she purely she signs up purely off of selfish reasons they say if you do this for us introduce us to Saul then we will wipe your slate clean and you can go free which um, does the rebellion actually have the computer power the know how to do that like can they yeah. wipe a slate clean <laughs> well the um like mon mothma is still a senator she I is think, yeah bale bale is, is still a senator. a senator yeah mm-hmm. so they have some pool but if you've pool. ever seen the prequels you know how a senate meeting goes <laughs> right and um they don't go well people just yell and then yeah it doesn't they would clearly have to be doing it in a shady way right to clear her slate yeah um but she does it purely off of selfish reasons um but my thought was she agrees but i wonder what she was um thinking that she'll find is she thinking that she'll actually find saul she'll is she gonna find her dad like i wonder what her expectations were um going into it um because she doesn't really seem like she like Saul says, cares about the cause at all. Um, she's just along, makes her introduction. She even says, I've made my introduction and now I'm out. Um, so, and then like you said, she sees her dad's message and everything changes. It's like a complete 180. She's like, woohoo, you know, defeat the empire to the point where Cassian's like, you can't just come in here and tell me what to do. Like I've been doing this since I was six years old and you think just cause you joined the cause five minutes ago you can you know give me grief about my choices um and it is interesting to think about that she becomes a leader like she comes she becomes so um passionate about it so quickly um that it would if i was cassian i'd be like whoa settle down you like you just joined you know what i mean you're a noob to the rebels here so just- wait is this in like a, a metaphor for star wars fans in general is that what we're getting to here <laughs> I guess like those, I mean, I'm sure those that who exists. are like yeah. those who are like wait I've been watching these since the original movie in the right. theaters and uh, you came in at Rogue One you yeah. have zero right to say anything about the fandom because I was gonna say I've it's loved more, it longer. It's more um, 
you came in when baby Yoda came on the scene and you think he's the cutest thing and you're not a valid Star Wars fan if you only like baby Yoda because I've seen it. <laughs> I saw the original movie in theaters. Um, yeah. Yeah, that could be it. But that's not how I feel about Star Wars fans. So I'm like, if it takes <laughs> a neither. cute little green creature to get you interested in what I'm interested in, hey, right. let's talk about Grogu. <laughs> so, we can talk about Grogu and then be like, you know, there's this other guy who looks kind of like him named Yoda. Yeah. You should you watch a movie some, with him. There's one where he lives in a swamp and he's pretty weird. It's great. <laughs> it's like if Grogu used that face app app and like made him look really old. That's what, old, yeah. that's what it is. <clears throat> no, but um, yeah, when she sees a video, like you said, it turns the whole way around. And to the end of the movie, um, you even see her like... Um, she starts praying her we know that her mom was like very into the church of the force or whatever like the religion is called where they whatever church is and um I, it's a religion um she yeah, they even call them guardian of the wills but i don't know if that's the religious name or wills or like they're guardians of or what's the yeah, yeah. i don't know the, <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah, the exact terminology but She's definitely a... She appreciates the Force. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, uh, or close to the end, they are in that shuttle and they're trying to get into um, Scarif through the shield gate. And they're, like, sending the call sign or over. And, like, she brings out her kyber crystal. And she's, like... I don't know if she's actually saying anything or she just has... I think she just has her eyes closed and she's, like, holding it. Holding it. Yeah. Um, Like a talisman. Yeah. She's just... I assume that yeah. she's praying because earlier they show Churret praying and I think between um, her mom and Churret and the situation that she's found her religion again. Well, you get into a tough situation. You often <clears throat> find religion, right? <laughs> yes. Please, if you let this happen, then I'll never do this again. <laughs> I'll be good. I promise. <laughs> I'll, I'll never go off my diet again if you just let this happen. Just let me win the lottery. You know, important stuff like that. Um, yeah, so at the end, yeah, she's a totally different person. And I think, yeah, you're right. She be she learns to trust, um, and it's really her dad. Um, kind of backing up to the tragedy that she's had in her life um, that have kind of got her from one point to the other. Um, Star Wars is all about tragedy. I know... Uh, the other half of Hello from Elsewhere, Casey, um, listens to Sky Talkers. I don't know if you do or not, but they I always listen to a few. But I, okay. yeah, they always talk about how Star Wars is tragedy. Um, so my question was, how has quote Star Wars tragedy affected Jin? Uh, made her who she is in the movie. I mean, it's practically. I mean, it is a Disney story, right? But it's. <laughs> Basically, like an original Disney story where you either have no parents or one parent. Mm -hmm. So you've got that beginning to her story where she loses her parents. Right. And then she's abandoned by Saw. And then, I mean, she's only 21 when she goes through this whole uh, course with the rebellion. And she's like finally starting to come into her own. And then she has to like (laughs) sacrifice everything to save the galaxy. Right. well, she only got 21 years, and it sounds like only a few of those years were uh, pleasant. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if being in Saw's Rebellion is it. pleasant. <laughs> yeah. The the couple the couple years as farmers on Lamu yes. that was peaceful. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then finding your path in life that's pretty cool. But also, then you die at the end. So. Yeah, like that face that she makes when she says like they find out that the shield gate is closed, and she like looks back and she's like, "So we're trapped here." Like, or I don't know what the line is exactly, but you can like see like the terror in her face that she's like oh i might never leave this place again um and she was right um here one thing i thought of uh watching it was so she goes she loses her dad like her dad is taken from her early on she hasn't seen him for 15 years and she sees him on um edu and she you know as she yells for some reason she yells across the platform to him you know, she's very sneaky getting there. And then she like pops up and she's like, father. Some like, of her Shh. mother comes out on her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she can't resist. Yeah. Um, and then she gets to see her dad for like 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. That's really true. She loses him twice. So right. double tragedy. My question is, is it easier for someone to die when you're not there and haven't seen him for 15 years? Or is it easier for you to see them and then watch them die? Uh, Ooh, like which one brings you more closure? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I would rather just like know that they're dead maybe than watch them But would she ever die. hear it? I don't know if she would ever have been told, found out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody would have sent her a telegram that says, sorry, your father has passed. <laughs> Uh, so I think, I think for her having seen the message and finally, uh, knowing where he is and that he still loves her and that he cares. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think from her perspective, being able to see him one last time and say, Hey, look, I got your message. I'm going to take care of it. I think, um, it's probably more important to her. Yeah. Now, if um, you'd have asked her at the beginning of the movie before she saw the message, I think the answer was clear. She's like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's already dead. At least that's what yeah. I tell myself. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of Anakin and Shmi when he hasn't seen his mom in 10, 10 years, I guess. Um, and then he goes back to Tatooine and looks for her and finds her by the Tusken Raiders. And like, as soon as he shows up, he gets like, you know, a minute with her and then she dies. And I'm thinking like, that would be, almost be like harder for me to watch them die than to just like show up and then be like, sorry, Shimi's dead. Like, I'd be like, oh man, I don't know. It's, it's hard, but yeah, I think you're right for her. It was being able to see him one last time now that she seemed to care about him again. Um, and knowing how that, that he cared about her and it wasn't that like, he didn't just go and do this thing and forget about her because he talks about how he only thinks about her in the times when he's the strongest because uh, otherwise it'll break him, basically. I know, that's such a good line. And yeah. I like the parallel you drew between Anakin and Jin. Just yeah. look at how you can use something as motivation for good or motivation mm -hmm. for evil. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so what is your favorite quote? You said she's got a lot of great quotes in the movie. What is your favorite quote from Jin? 
My favorite one has got to be when she uh, is talking to Cassian and he's saying, you know, I was just following orders. And she says, orders, when you know they are wrong, you might as well be a stormtrooper. It's like cold gin. That's a a good one. But it shows a couple of things. It shows that she's not afraid of conflict. Like she will Mm -hmm. challenge Cassian on his opinions there. Um, And also shows that she is a rebel at heart. Like even if she is willing to ignore things that go around her, she still has a set of morals that she lives mm-hmm. by. Yeah. Um, one thing that that scene always reminds me of is that these are rebels. So you can't really expect rebels to follow orders. <laughs> um, like Counterintuitive, for- yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so it's just like on par for him not to do what he's supposed to do because uh, he's a rebel. But I think in his mind, he's also thinking like, I've only gotten this far by following the orders that I have. And that was that same thing. Like she just joined the cause basically. And she's telling him that he's like a stormtrooper. And um, I like how he's like, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. And, you know, I, uh, you, we've all been through things that you haven't seen yet. And she's just like, you can't talk your way around this one. <laughs> she's just like, she doesn't want to hear it. She's right. like, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's like excuses, but... excuses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think and my... then, of course, there's oh, yeah, her big speech. That's what I was going right. to say. I don't know if that's yeah. on your list, but that's probably my other favorite is when she's talking to the whole... Like the they council? The rebel, rebel council. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, and so she's... The line... Oh, I didn't write it down, but like, what's the line where they say... every? Uh, I like the one where she says, every second we wait is one more step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. That's like such a cool... like. Yes. You guys need to hurry up because we could be Jetta at any second. Like just the way she words it is awesome. Really great. But, and that's yeah. when she has the other line. Um Hope. Rebellions are built on hope. When she Which reuses she takes that Cassian's one from Cassian. Line. Yeah. 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 Um I like when she says there that she Well they say oh they say what chance do we have? And she mm, goes, What chance yes. do we have? What choice do we yes. have? Yes. And I like that reframing of the idea. Like, yeah. if this is the end, are you going to go out fighting or are you going to go out, run, hide, cower, as she says, like, you right. You have a choice to make. Like, what have we been building this army for? What have you guys been doing for the last 5, 10, 15 years if you're not going to fight when you're supposed to? Right. She's like, I know yeah. I just got here, but this doesn't make any sense, guys. <laughs> Have you guys? Not- I know I'm just the new person in the office, but I feel like I have some productivity uh, tips for us. Oh yeah, and nobody wants to hear that person. Mm-mm. Yeah, um. they're like, "This is the way we've always done things." <laughs> yeah, the copier's always been on the other side of the hall. Like, yeah. just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that I really like is close to the end um, when Krennic is like, "Who are you?" When it's like her and him up on the like catwalk, like right. he's like, "Why are you?" Why troublesome are you as doing ever. This? Yeah. Troublesome as ever. <laughs> yeah. And um she says, You know who I am. I'm Jin Urso, daughter of Galen and Lyra. Uh, and you've lost. Um, I love that line because she's like, You know who I am. Like I um she's like so confident that she is doing what her dad set out to do and she's gonna finish what he um started. Uh that's a different Star Wars line. Um <laughs> And uh, just she wants to like shove it in Krennic's face. You've lost. 
Um, Galen has won. You've lost just like Galen told you years and years and years ago that you won't, that you can't win or won't win or whatever he says. So I like that line a lot, but she almost didn't do it. Luckily Cassian, uh, had climbed up from that terrible fall he had and was able to <laughs> shoot crack. Pretty resilient. He's yeah. <laughs> laying there. And I think about that moment from Jin's perspective. Like, she only hesitates for a second, man, where she's like, yeah. do I go down and get him? Do I send out the message? Gotta send yeah. out the message. <laughs> Peace out, Cassian, as you lay there, probably dead. Like, Hopefully he falls I'll be able to, like... like- he hits like two bars on the way yeah. down. Oh it's like goodness, a, a Bane and Batman. Like I'm pretty sure his yes. back is broken, right? Yeah. Like how did yeah, he think so. survive yeah. that? Um, but she had already decided that getting the plans is the most important thing and she is going to follow through. And hopefully she'll be able to come find him on her way back down. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it with Melody and you know, they have like the, you know, like the eight track thing. You put the like things in at the right. top. And she's like... Yeah why is that there like who wants to go to the very top just to send a file out um but i was like that's eh, probably like a last resort type of thing like if That'd all else fails we need to like stick this thing in here they um, probably should have been able to send it out like where k2s that was hanging out or yeah. you know some other but they were trying to get away from krennic yeah parts of uh, the movie are a little like we need to send a transmission so we need to run a cable from here to there and then flip a switch and like that's like this one like crew's job, like mm-hmm. it's like Chirrut's job, and I'm like, yeah, that's very uh. In a world of Star Wars, it's a very weird thing to like have to run like a cable. It's like something I have to deal with at my house. I'm like, <laughs> well, I want my computer to be connected to the internet, but my router's over there, so I have to figure out how to get the cable over there. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting. But I think I the reason that they have so much trouble with it is because it's scarif and scarif is like under such tight security yeah that they're trying to find like a a workaround yeah um yeah because anywhere else in star wars you seem to be able to just digitally send messages all the time no big deal it's like if the wi-fi on my computer isn't working then i have to find my closest ethernet cable and carry my laptop over to the router and plug it in with the two foot ethernet cable i have and yeah (laughs) stuff like that exactly um so there's the convenient way and then there's the <laughs> hard way yes and i'm yeah. scared if they like to do things the hard way so. <laughs> yes um i always like the timing of this movie um how it's like krennic is arriving on scarif um just as the rebels or you know Jin and rogue one the rogue squadron are uh, or the rogue one is um and like everything's like all happening at the same time uh, and krennic doesn't even he's not there for that he's just there to see what galen had been setting out and then uh you know the beach starts blowing up i just i love all the timing how it all all works out in that way or when they find saw just in time for krennic to blow up jetta and like just the timing of this movie i think is uh makes it really fun um I agree. There are a bunch of just seems like the dominoes are like just lined up ready yes. to fall. And Jin yep. is like the push that it takes yes. for everything to just <laughs> spiral. Plus, it's kind of the culmination of this ongoing battle between Krennic and Tarkin. Right. And yeah. who should have the funding for the Death Star. And yeah, everything is. I can't I can't decide if Krennic is the one who did he choose to go to mustafar 
and talk to Vader or if Vader called him there. Cause they I show thought him. he was going over Tarkin's head. Okay. He's like, um, hey, I'm going <laughs> to... I know who's above you, Tarkin. It's Vader. Right. And I'm like, just what, like a move go to, to do. Him. Yeah. I know. I asked Casey this time if the, because there's the guy, I don't know what you call him, an accolade or whatever, who like, accolade, who like comes in and he's like, Darth Vader, you know, my lord. Yeah. There's, right. And I was like, is that like the Sith version of a butler? Like, yeah, who I is this so. guy? <laughs> he has to wear the like black hooded the black robe hood, and everything. And he just yeah. like hangs out and probably brings him his food, <laughs> delivers his mail. Tells him he's got a guest at the door. <laughs> Which probably doesn't happen too often. He's like, oh, I get to do something. <laughs> right. He's like, wow, somebody came to Mustafar. Why? Um, uh, Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. You had talked about how, like, um, Jana's like the domino. That, like, Or she was like one, she was, like one push ahead of the dominoes that were falling. Um, Which led me to my other question. Do you think that... The original original trilogy could take place without Jin or so. Um, so if Jin would have been like, if Mon Mothma's like, hey, you know, we'll set you free if you come help us, and Jin was like, uh, nah, I'm okay. I only got you know 19 more years. <laughs> 19 more years to go. It's fine. I'll <laughs> figure out said a, no. how to get a different cellmate. It'll be yeah. all right. <laughs> um, and obviously, I mean, she's the main character, but I thought of other main characters who aren't necessarily necessary for the story to happen um like in other in other movies like uh luke i would say is the main character in empire strikes back and return of the jedi but he's not the one out fighting the battle he's like he's having like a one-on-one battle with him and vader and the emperor and yes it has something to do with the other battle but would they still win or not it's kind of hard to say but what do you think if Jin would have said no what would have happened I think if they were able to find a way to get Jin's father without Jin assistant, Jin's like assistance, then then maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like she's the easiest path for them mm. to get to her, um, because I mean they use her to get to Saw, to get to the pilot defector, to get to Galen, <laughs> <laughs> right? So that so that Galen can testify to the Senate of this crazy. Uh, thing that he, you know like it's a pretty far down the road plan that they're working right. on here and like i was saying she is like the beginning push for this to all happen and then galen's um, gonna testify to the emperor the, to the senate yeah <laughs> right. i know which is run by the emperor who's gonna be like yeah. no 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 don't worry about it guys no. lies, lies. Deception. <laughs> yeah every day lies more lies and more lies <laughs> yeah as saw says all right yeah. um but so I I don't see an easier way to get to Galen than through Jin. Um, you think they so, started with Jin, or that was like they tried other methods and they're like, okay, I guess we have to try and find this girl. I think they probably were like somebody made the connection two and two, and was okay. like she is probably our best bet best to bet. get to Galen. Uh, they had yeah. probably tried reaching out to Saw, but Saw's like. I don't take messages from the rebellion anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm above such things. Yeah. Um, I'm they probably tried reaching out to him in some other way first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd say that at least having a new hope happen is very reliant on Jin taking the course where she gets the message from her father. What I think is most interesting is that while she like 
we are saying she begrudgingly agrees uh, to let the rebellion use her to get to Saw. Um, later, she's the one who decides to go beyond what the rebellion leaders are willing to do mm-hmm. and to save the plans. Right, um, right. So it's funny because like, she tells them yes at the beginning and later they tell her no and she's like, no, right. I'm going to make this a yes. Yes, yep. gonna... <laughs> And yep. so I think there is no destroyed Death Star without Jin Erso, which is pretty cool. Yeah, if she wasn't there, they would have not tried to go get the plants. Even if they had the plans and they knew what they were up against, they might have still said, nope. I mean, I mean, even if they had found Galen or Saul, they still might have not tried to attempt to fight the Empire. So, Yeah, I think know. maybe if they had gotten Galen and he could personally tell them where the flaw was and not need right. the plans. Right. Then... Mm. But, you know, as soon as he dies on Edu, that option's out. So yeah. now yeah. you have to <laughs> go get the plants. Uh, so what's your favorite scene uh, with Jin? Probably when we first get to see... I guess it's not her first fight. Because we see her kind of take down the... When she's being rescued. And she doesn't feel like she's being rescued. Right, yeah. Uh, we see her fight there a little bit. But I love on Jetta when she and Cassian are kind of like hiding, but there are all these troopers coming and mm-hmm. she like flips her little like stick staff yes. thing. And then you like really see that she can hold her own. And you even yeah. see like the surprise on Cassian's face. Like, uh-huh. Oh, she's got it. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like that scene. I think it just shows how, um, you know, powerful she is. Yeah. Um, so I think between that scene and then the scene again, where she's speaking to the rebel council, and standing up to them because I think both those scenes show her courage in two very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I like that first scene you talked about when she she's like in the zone and she's like beating up these guys and then she turns around and shoots a K two <laughs> yeah. droid. <laughs> and then you like see it fall and like you can see her face, she's like scared for a minute, and then K yeah. two's like, Did you know that wasn't me? <laughs> She's like, of course, yeah. Of course. Like, <laughs> I love her and K two in this movie. Like, they're, they're great. Yeah, they're great. Um, even like when earlier in the movie, he she like hands him a bag and he just like kind of drops, drops it on it. the ground because he like doesn't even want to hold it. But he has um, no respect for her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Yeah. Those. Uh. Those are good. They. The speech of the council is like a uh, goosebumps type of scene for me. Um. Like when she's like talking, you just like listening to her, you feel so inspired. And the council's like, mm, nope. I like, <laughs> You're like I come like on, when guys, <laughs> I felt something. Didn't you feel something? <laughs> Another line I use out of context all the time is the, what is she proposing? You like, <laughs> yes. from the back, from yeah. the background. <laughs> so, like, let the girl talk. Yeah. Um, I like the scene um, where she sees her dad's transmission. It's probably my favorite one. Um, you like see her face as she like walks around to the front of it and sees him uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, I like how the story changes there and like her story changes, and then like the planet is literally falling apart, and she's trying to like take in this message from her dad who she hasn't seen in forever and. Um, she's got all this emotional stuff going on, but also he's like feeding her like actual information. Like, it's not just like, you know, here's like 
notes of where you should go and directions. It's like, I'm telling you, you got to go to Scarif and you got to go to the Citadel Tower. And like, she has to remember all this, but she's also overwhelmed with emotion seeing her dad and like everything that's going on with her. And then like the transmission stops and she like falls to her knees and she like, she like can't handle it all. Um, like that, I, I think that scene is so well done. It's a great scene. scene. And yet Cassian still has the audacity to be like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. where's the transmission? And she's like, I was a little busy. (laughs) You know? Overwhelmed. Get the transmission. Like, press the button. Eject that thing. (laughs) And then, you know, the whole place is going to be destroyed in seconds. So Yeah. Yeah. A little preoccupied. All right. Uh, Last question. If you could change one thing about Rogue One... It could have to do with Jin or anybody else. Um, a plot point, whatever. A, a music choice. Um, <laughs> what would you change about Rogue One? I have two points that bug me in the movie. And I mean, like I said, it's my favorite Star Wars. But these are the two that like stick out where I'm like, but why? The one is uh, Borgullet and, mm-hmm. and Bodhi. Like, it just doesn't make sense. They're like, here's this creature that's going to drive you mad, but it doesn't actually drive him mad. And they like right. never circle around to whether Saw actually got any answers from him out of it or why he used it in the first place. Um, I guess it's like a lie detector, right? Kind and, of. But like, it doesn't it seem like, like it speaks English. So like. But here's the big question is like, he has the transmission from Bodhi. Why not watch that first? And then be like, oh, it really is from Galen. Well, I feel like he probably did watch it. Um, or maybe he didn't first. I don't know. But even when Jin shows up, um, he's like, it's a trap, isn't it? Like, you know, the Imperials are sending this to me as a trap. Um, she's, he still doesn't believe. Like you said, even after Bodhi went through that, um, Saul is still like, it's a trap, isn't it? Lies. Or um, he doesn't say that. To her, but he's like, have you come here to kill me? He like is so like everyone's against him right Even he's his... super paranoid at this point yeah yeah so yeah that so is I a weird that thing is just maybe it's like saw's nature where he just <laughs> a little bit crazy and does something crazy <laughs> uh, i think the point that bugs me is just like that they're like you know you tend to lose your mind but then it's like well he's fine uh, right Bodhi's really strong will minded i don't know what's the... like they first show him and he is like kind of out of it right and right. then uh cassian's like are you the pilot? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm the pilot. Yeah, yeah, I'm good now. Like, that's it. That's all it took. <laughs> it's it like he had the key word. Bodhi had been yeah. saying that forever. I'm the pilot. I'm the pilot. Yeah. And so when, when Cassian's like, are you the pilot? He's like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Snapped me right back out. Yeah. It's like uh, the hypnosis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the key word. Now he's You'll fine. You'll come out of it when yeah. I say pilot. Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Boar gullet is like the... Um, rope of truth or whatever that wonder woman has yes her lasso of truth yeah lasso of truth yeah yeah there we go <laughs> but we don't know if it works or not it's like we didn't okay see any yeah. of that we'll just trust the rope that it's working <laughs> we'll just trust that poor gullet is actually working <laughs> right but. yeah and then the other point that kind of bugs me is that cassian is the one who takes down krennic instead of Jin. Mm. i feel like it would have been a more poignant moment for her to take down the person that ruined her family life yeah uh but then at the same time because 
she, you know, leaves him alive there, we do get the awesome uh, scene where Krennic is gets to watch himself yes. be destroyed by his own creation. Yep. So, yep. I so do like that, that that is a good. Um, he looks up and you know, sees full that circle. Death Star in the sky. Yeah, right. The one so that good. he watched destroy Jedi and was like, "Oh, it's beautiful." It's beautiful. <laughs> and you're like, "How does it look from the other side?" Yeah, exactly. Although it is kind of beautiful, like when Cassian mm-hmm. and Jin are on the beach at the end, you could almost just pretend it's like a sunset. I know. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's yeah. fine. It's what it looks like. It looks like it's a sunset. But you're like, oh, there's a problem with the horizon. Yeah. There's no horizon. And all of a sudden, they're just like whited out. Yes. And you're like, well, yeah. there's the tragedy of uh, Jin's life is that like, there was the potential for her and Cassian mm-hmm. to have more, and it never even got that far. Yeah. I think you guys talked about that a little bit in your last episode, didn't you? We did, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. We were talking yeah. about, uh, we talked about all the cursed love in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one relationship that you left out. If you haven't listened to Hello from Elsewhere's episode on cursed love in Star Wars, you left out Mr. and Mrs. Frogly, frog person. <laughs> frog <laughs> but they get back together way. in the end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not cursed. Okay. You said, you said no relationship oh, in Star no Wars Oh, no relationship lasts. makes it. Hmm. Yeah. I think Frog I Lady. You think they man, make it? Do they? I think they? they make it. Yeah. All those Mon Calamari around them that are like <laughs> scheming. And setting people out on boats to be yeah. eaten by monsters. They'll move to a nice place. I don't know. An- <laughs> another water go. planet. They need to- yeah. Yeah, find another water planet. Yeah. No, I hope I that kidding, they make but- it. But no, that's yeah. a good point. You didn't think about that one. I mean, we talked about some others. So it's like, well. You don't know. You don't know not- yeah. what the ending is there. Um, One little thing in this movie was... Like, I was going through, like, the trivia, and so for Anthony Daniels to, like, be in all the movies, they put him in this one. They put, like, a little blip of C-3PO and R2-D2 in uh, on Yavin 4, mm-hmm. as, like, but everyone's leaving to go, to go fight, right? Um, or some, yeah, I think this is, like, after um, they find out that Jin is there, and, like, everyone's leaving to go fight, and, um... C-3P was like, oh, they're going out into space. You'd never find me in one of those ships or whatever. And then the next time you see C-3P and R2-D2, they're on Leia's ship, which is in that space battle. So I'm not sure how well, they got from one to the other. C-3P but... often doesn't uh, get his hopes. Uh, <laughs> the things that he desires, people don't really seem to care about. Yeah. Um, But I would assume that when... Because we've got Gail or not, uh, we've got Bale Organa, and he's saying that you know he's gonna try and get a message to his. Oh, uh, that's when he Jedi finds friend. Yeah, and so then you'd think that he, you know, is calling Leia in, and then the message gets back to Yavin Four that you know they've made it through the gate, and they just need some help getting the message out. That they're like, okay, everybody, you know, yeah. rally the troops. We're all gonna show up now. Um, and so Leia comes in at that point. Okay. I guess I guess I'll accept that. But. I like that. I mean, that's one of my favorite things is that like this is like minutes before a new hope starts. Yes. Oh, like, yes. How close together they are mm-hmm. is very cool. Yeah. Um. And like, how bold of Leia to be like, "This is a diplomatic mission." He's like, 
uh, I legitimately saw your ship. Yes. yes. <laughs> go through hyperspace like two minutes ago. Right. Although yeah. how he finds her through hyperspace, I don't know. Maybe he has, yeah. I don't know. He wouldn't know it was Leia on board, so I don't know how he would have like shown up by Alderaan where she was going, you know. I feel like I he would have known. Like he had to have felt Leia on board. I mean, maybe his daughter. Oh, that's I mean, true. She's strong the in the connection. Force. I've always wondered that going through the movies. Like he doesn't feel her, um, at least until. Uh, well, he doesn't even know that he has a daughter until right Return probably, of the Jedi. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's probably cut himself off to uh, all emotional loving connections at this yeah. point. So. <laughs> Yeah, probably. You wouldn't sense okay. those. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for Rogue One. Anything else? Any other notes you wanted to stick in there? I think that's pretty much what I've got on Jin. Yeah, awesome. Jin is awesome. I liked how in this new, when the sequels and this story started, how um, they created strong lead female characters. Um, you could kind of argue that Cassian is kind of a main character but he's still a side character to Jin. The story's about Jin. It shows how even without powers like you said uh, you can have a strong female leader. Um, yeah. It's I always fantastic. appreciate that about the new movies. I do yeah. too. It'd be nice if they'd give them some female friends too. But yes. you know. <laughs> yeah. One step at a time apparently. <laughs> One even slow like, step at a time. Even on the political side, you only see like Mon Mothma in like right. this one in the original trilogies. I mean, she's like the leader, but everyone else, she's talking to all men. Like there's no one else with her. Cool. Um, well, let's do the uh, Star Wars random fact of the podcast. I'm ready. Let's hear it. We would be honored if you would join us. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. As you wish. Okay. In earlier versions of the Rogue One script... Lyra uh, was actually going to be a Jedi. Um, it was abandoned in later versions um, because the idea of because um, exp- they wanted to explore the idea of finding like regular inhabitants uh, throughout the galaxy after the fall of the Jedi. Um, they thought that would be more interesting than having another Jedi uh, in the story. So they made her a like follower of the force without making her a Jedi. So that's one thing I've appreciated about the newer star Wars, this and the Mandalorian, you kind of see how people live that aren't directly, directly related to the Jedi. Yeah. It would have changed a ton if she'd have been a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, Krennic wouldn't have stood a chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Troublesome as ever. Yeah. I mean, I imagine her as a Jedi would be pretty awesome, but I don't think it fits for the storyline. Yeah. And like I was saying, it's nice like, like this in Mandalorian to just see some average people in right. the galaxy. Right. Not everybody is a Jedi or a politician. Yes. Yep. Uh, and that is the Star Wars random fact of the podcast. The Force will be with you always. All right. Let's uh quick shout out to uh the patrons of sword of star wars we have josh john Mots, tyler ali aaron dan tim casey melissa and last but not least valerie winters hey that's me <laughs> thanks everyone for your 
patronage. I uh, really appreciate the support. And um, thanks, Valerie, for being here. It was so much fun. Thanks for letting me yeah. talk about one of my favorite Star Wars characters in my favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> yep, you bet. Um, and we've talked about it before, but would you like to put a plug in for uh, your podcast? Yes. So I co-host a podcast with my husband, Casey. Uh, it's called Hello from Elsewhere, and we talk about all kinds of different themes and symbolism in pop culture. Uh, we cover a lot of Star Wars and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and anything else that comes to mind. So, Yes. One of my absolute favorites. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And be safe. Be courteous. Bye. See you later, alligator.